the Pinball Network is online. Launching Final Round Pinball Podcast. Player versus player and player versus machine. Welcome to the final round. Lucky you, here we are again. I'm Jeff Teolis. Are you saying lucky to me or lucky to our listeners? Everybody in the pinball podcast <laughs> universe, but probably you the most. Marty. Everybody wins, is what I'm hearing. Welcome, everybody, to episode 29. After last episode, I've been dealing with a lot of bullshit, and I think you're to blame for it, Marty. (laughs) Which part in particular? The editing? Forget the editing. It's your absolute nonsensical, stereotypical Canadian crap that you said, oh, I say about, about, or, you know, sorry, sorry, all that kind of garbage. And and the emails that we got, we'll get to those later, but I'm just, personally, I'm sick of the Canadian stereotypes. I'm putting my foot down. No more of that. We're not all redheads. We're not all great pinball players. We're not all born on January 27th. We're not all broadcasters. We're not all great athletes. I mean, I know that's me. And uh, to prove it, let's bring on another uh, Canadian on the show right now. Let's say hello to you know him, you love him. Former NBA star, Todd McCulloch. Hey, Todd, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? So Marty's been giving you a hard time, huh? <laughs> it's not just me. I I mentioned <laughs> the fact, he, he was saying last week, oh, you know, I don't say a boot. And I went, well, you do. And then let's just say the feedback has been overwhelming. And on which side has it been, Jeff? I don't know. I'm sure we'll get to that later. The point is that not all Canadians are redheads. Todd? Oh, I, I used to be a redhead, and then, then I had kids, and now, I, now I'm a gray head. Okay. Uh, I'm born on January 27th. We have 365 days in the year. You certainly can't be that as well, being a Canadian, right? January 27th, the best best day of the year. You're the dragon. Okay. I guess that's both of us. Uh, great pinball players. I know I've been in IFPA championships. You've actually hosted them. Uh, I hosted it. You're way ahead of me in the rankings. I think the highest I've ever been is 85th, but I did win Expo one year, so I got that little notch in my bedpost. Yep, you've done a lot of broadcasting in your post-NBA career as well. Great athletes. I mean, uh, maybe we are all alike. It's hard to say. All 30 million of us, everybody, all the same. (laughs) The question I do want to ask you, because you're actually living in the States. I'm here in Canada. The vaccines are rolling out very, very well in the United States. And good, because, you know, obviously they had a lot of cases. I think that's fantastic. They secured a lot. They manufacture a lot. Here in Canada, where you don't live anymore, I mean, I don't know the last time you've been to Winnipeg, um, I might, fingers crossed, get my vaccine in September. How about you there in Washington State? Just waiting our turn. And uh, I think just the other day, uh, teachers uh, were cleared. So they're getting through people. They're doing a, a really good job. They've opened it up and now pharmacies are, are carrying them and, and uh, they're getting in greater and greater shipments each week and they're starting to hit their stride. And so now uh, educators involved in schools are now being vaccinated. And um, so they're, they're starting to you know check people off the list, which is really exciting. And the quicker it goes, the better off we're all going to be. My last point on this topic, and I'm not going to get into who do I have to fuck to get a vaccine, although maybe it will come down to that, but I think I'm absolutely the last person on the list. Am I crying about it? No, no, no. No, not, not at all. Yes. Well, I, 
I'll be glad when you get your vaccine, and then we're all playing in a Pinburg, uh, not a, necessarily Pinburg, but a Pinburg type tournament somewhere down the down the line, and maybe we can all end up in the same group together. So speaking of tournaments, I've looked at your IFPA profile not to see if you are ranked higher than Jeff. That's not important anymore. Definitely, definitely not. Definitely not. I can see that you have been playing in tournaments for a very long time. Like I think this goes back to two thousand and six, right? Yeah, that that sounds about right. Yeah, about 15 years or so. So how, therefore, has it affected you now not being able to play in tournaments? Do you sort of get frustrated by it or are you sort of a bit patient and when it happens, it happens? I'm excited to, to do it. I've been definitely missing it. I haven't been playing, even pre-COVID, I hadn't been playing in as many uh, tournaments. My uh, my kids are 13, and next week my son will turn 11, and I think just uh, with their activities and, and just trying to be the best uh, dad, I haven't been going or playing in as many pinball tournaments when they were around. So I guess I'm, I was a little bit used to the rhythm of, of life, of you know going to a couple of big tournaments a year, obviously Pinburg and, and Papa when it was happening, uh, the Northwest Show, Texas Pinball Festival. So I was still making it to some great tournaments and I think I just kind of had a a focus shift a little bit I I usually go to expo and I used to tournaments used to be the most important thing to me at a convention and if it was say the Texas Pinball Festival and there was a small little tournament area uh, I would spend the whole weekend there just buying entries and trying to make the finals and sort of ignoring the 400 other amazing games on the show and uh, I think it was, you know, Ed Robertson and some other friends of mine who kind of helped me change my perspective. And while I still love to compete, I think I was missing out on so much more of it. And so a couple of years ago at Texas, I played very poorly and it came down to my last entry. And if I'd done well, I had a chance to make the finals and I blew it. And uh, Ed Robertson came up to me and said, how's the tournament going? I said, it's going terrible. And he's like, so you're free for lunch? And I said, <laughs> yeah. I guess I am. And he's like, since you're out, I guess you're also free for dinner. And I said, you know what? Maybe this is this is okay. So uh, tournaments have be- taken a little bit of a backseat. And maybe that was the result of me not playing well in those uh, those opportunities I had. But I, I guess I just tried to take in the whole pinball experience and the social aspect of it instead of just trying to make the finals. And I'm one of those players. I'm a, I'm a good player, but I'm not a great player. And Back when there was less players, I would just be that person struggling for the last spot of the finals, whether there were 16 finalists or 24, I'd be, you know, the last one in if I'd gotten in. And then I'd usually end up playing the number one qualifier and then I'd be knocked out. So uh, if I did make the playoffs, I didn't go much further than that. Do you find it harder having the pinball machine so far away from you compared to everybody else? (laughs) That is a good question. People have asked me whether I thought height was an advantage, and I don't. Uh, Eden Stam is one of the best tall players uh, that I know out of, out of Canada. I think, you know, you look at the stance that Lyman Sheets takes sometimes where he gets down to the, the line of the ball. And I, when I play at home, I sit on a bar stool just to kind of, you know, take it easy on my, on my feet. And I think it might be a disadvantage that in tournaments I'm always standing. And I think, I think if you want to get really good at pinball, you should probably stick to one angle of the play field. And so 90% of the playing I do at home, I'm sitting down and then I go to tournaments and I'm standing. And that'll be my excuse for why, I, uh, why I've been doing so badly. So I don't think height is an advantage. I think the machines are built for your, your average uh, size person. And I think my back gets a little bit sore, hunched over, or I've got to get a wide stance in order to try and get my hands down to the flipper area. I do agree. And I'm obviously not even close to being your height, but when you play long tournaments and it's a grind, it's a grind, you're not exactly standing proper. You know, maybe you're hunched over just a little bit. It gets sore and you certainly feel it by the end of the day, especially if you're standing on cement. 
So the old Pintberg days were just, you know, you'd look for a chair and a couch and that'd be like, oh, I'd much rather have this than a few inlanes. Yeah, I'd try and find that uh, inflatable couch, but it was so low to the ground. I was like a beached whale trying to get out of that (laughs) thing. So I think I ended up missing around at some point because I couldn't get off the inflatable couch. (laughs) Just for the the listeners, just to confirm, my understanding is you are seven foot tall. Is that right? Uh, Six eleven and thirteen sixteenths. So just a shade under. Five foot twenty-four, six foot twelve. <laughs> Let's round it up. Wear thick socks for crying out loud. It was one of those <laughs> things because I, I know someone that that was tall that wasn't into basketball, but all his life he just got asked, "Do you play basketball?" And I'm wondering, is that something that you grew up with, or was it? Oh, I really want to have a career in pinball, but you know, basketball pays a bit more money. Uh, people were they would always ask, but I've you know I played up until my career ended, so the answer was always yes and. There's a Canadian basketball player named Bill Wennington who played for the Bulls. And uh, people used to say to him, you know, I thought I was tall. He's like, yeah, I thought I was ugly. <laughs> I had a lady once, she said, uh, do you play basketball? And I said, why do you play mini golf? And she got really pissed at me. And she, <laughs> she put up her hand to slap me. And I said, don't slap me for that. And so people say all sorts of weird stuff. I was in line at a cafeteria and a guy turned around. And he's like, you should wear a cowbell so you don't sneak up on people. <laughs> Sneak up on people. You block out the sun. Can't they see the shadow from a mile away? I used to have a t-shirt that said, I'm 6'10". I, yes, I play basketball and the weather's fine up here. <laughs> <laughs> and change your own fucking light bulb. <laughs> yeah, you hear uh, you hear some interesting stuff. I, I was at the grocery store and there was an old man in front of me. And he had a couple of tall boy beers and I respected that. And he turned around and was surprised at my height. And he's like, wow, you must have been an interesting baby. <laughs> Just like, I, I don't know how interesting I was. I didn't come out smoking cigars going, I am the most interesting baby in the world. I usually prefer breast milk, but nah, I drink uh, whiskey. You know what sucks about being tall is that you missed that whole growing up experience of all the ginger insults. Yeah, I don't think anyone wanted to insult. I was just bigger than everybody. So even though I wasn't tough, they were afraid I'd sit on them. So uh, I didn't get teased to, too much, which is good. Did you have a? Did you have it hard as a, as a ginger growing up in Canada? Were you teased a lot? Oh, yet? you have no idea. I mean, it's just heaven forbid I ever go to eat lunch at Wendy's because I mean, people will just mock you for that. <laughs> oh, how's your sister? Blah blah. blah. Anyway, I found that it made my skin a lot tougher and made me kind of more on edge. Okay, I better, if I'm going to take it, you know, I better be able to dish it out too to, you know, go tit for tat. (laughs) You got to be able to throw it back at people. Absolutely. It's funny because I like to talk to you this time of year. I like to talk to you all the time, but especially this time of year because of something known as March Madness. Now, Marty has no clue what March Madness is. Of course I do. This is college football. No, it's not. Is it? Oh, but <laughs> it's, it's not. It's, but no, no, but this is this is where everybody puts their brackets in and then see what happens. You said college football. Yeah. It's college basketball. Well, it's college something. I know it's not the main grade, oh, but it's college same something. Thing. Yeah, but I know. Sure, basketball, football, but it's the same. same. Thing. Like, pe- people put their, their brackets in and, I don't know, you can win lots of money if you get it right. I don't know, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Todd, you know what March Madness is in Australia? It's it's kangaroo mating season. That's when the good old boys <laughs> like to have a little bit of fun with, with old Roo, you know? <laughs> you don't believe me? Uh, Marty, why haven't you been streaming? Because it's March Madness, all right? You've been busy, haven't you? Admit it. Sure, Jeff, if that's what makes you feel better. <laughs> oh, cut deep. It's the truth. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you be talking about our kangaroos like that. <laughs> I love them. So March Madness, a lot of people, I would say, especially this side of the border, 
and maybe outside the world, maybe don't really watch as much college basketball. Certainly someone like Todd has a vested interest in that and and some great history as well. But when it comes time to this bracket thing that you're talking about, Martin, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's time to bet. You know, you don't have to know anything. You just look at the numbers. You can check on all websites and see, oh, this team's good on defense or good on three-point shooting, blah, blah. You can kind of try to figure it out yourself. Who cares? You pick a team. You make a bracket. It's fun. You follow along. It makes the games a little more interesting and uh, a lot of off pools and things like that but we didn't actually have a march madness last year because of covid so i think this year is going to be a little more special i don't know how you feel about it todd yeah i would say it was really really weird and strange to not have it i mean it's it's the tournament's been going on for for so long and when i was at university of washington our whole goal was to get to the ncaa tournament and it was uh, it's what we fought hard it's what we went to practice for every day and we ended up uh, getting there and it was just sort of the the culmination of everything that we put into and to not have it last year you know as someone who's played in the tournament i personally i think it's the best sporting event in the world and that i'm a little bit biased because of the exposure i've had to college basketball and the experiences i've had but i'm obviously uh, not the only one that enjoys it and i think you can pick the best mascot that would win in a fight you can pick from the school colors you can pick from the states you like so you can uh, you can do just well in those pools i've played in the NCAA tournament twice and i'm always last in every pool i always play in so it's never uh, a formula for success but it's just a, just such a special thing it's one and done and you can just get you can get hot and uh, to not have it last year was was very strange and and one more indicator that the world was just uh, just not right so i'm i'm glad that uh, that we're going to be back and i really think it's anybody's year i mean if there's ever a year for uh, somebody to sneak up and win it this is going to be the one so i i can't wait to watch it this year i think there'll be a lot of interest outside of march madness does the, the college basketball sort of scene get as much airplay as the NBA throughout the year? Or is it really only March Madness? Uh, college basketball is, is big. It's you know probably not as big as the, uh, the NBA, with it, that being such a major sport. But there's, uh, there's 82 games in a regular season of the NBA, and there's maybe a maximum of 30 in, the, in a collegiate season. So there's, there's less games, so it's probably on, on TV less. But You've got certain universities and conferences that that draw very well, and I think I think the ratings for college basketball in some conferences is, is quite high. So there is a lot of interest in. There, there's some people that just prefer college athletics to the to the pros, and because there's only 30 games, every every one of them counts. And um, so there's there's a lot of interest in college basketball, and it's been it's been pretty fun. But I I tend to wait until the tournament to. Uh, that's when it really really matters when you lose once and it's time to go home and there's only one winner at the end of it it's very uh it's special we made it to the sweet 16 in 1998 and our university was going crazy and people to this day you know still come up to me and and tell me you know how special that team was and everybody remembers i mean we had a just the uh the buzzer beaters are what make it so special and you of course want to end up on the on the winning side of that our, our first game we won by a point and went and it could have gone either way and we were on the right side of it uh, and then the second game we ended up doing quite a bit better and then the third game we had only one lead in the game with 20 seconds left we took our first lead and it looked like we were going to upset as an 11 seed a number two seeded team and uh, they got about four shots at the you know the end of a basketball game is pretty it's pretty exciting and if you're lucky you might get one or two chances to uh, to tie it up or win and there was a mad scramble and they took about four shots in the last few seconds and I could not get 
get a rebound and they made it and it was it was a, a heartbreaker for us and and there's still fans in this region that still remember just how tough it was to lose like that um, but when you take a step back it was a, a great success for our team and the season was a was a big success but it's it's hard to separate that in the moment and then every year they keep showing all of these highlights that happened of, of some of these the best buzzer beaters and it's always in there was that Rip Hamilton? That was Rip Hamilton, and uh, no, no surprise that he hit a clutch shot. He went on to an incredible NBA career and a, a great guy. So no surprise that he was able to make a you know a, a fall fall away jump shot at the free throw line. But there was a lot of pressure in that situation, and he stepped up big time. And uh, they would not quit until the buzzer went off. And I just I couldn't believe the buzzer hadn't gone off. I, you, you see teams get a chance or two, and and they they were really scrambling, and and they got it to go. I don't know if this makes up for that loss, but uh, playing poker at a casino in Motor City, I took 500 bucks off Rip Hamilton. So is it even? Does that help, Todd? That that every little bit helps. So thank you. I, I appreciate <laughs> you doing that. Just uh, that's that's wonderful. Thank you. But to what Marty was saying about the popularity of the sport, too, it really depends on where you are because, and we're going to get into pinball, but just one last note about this basketball thing. You know, in North Carolina, they have an NBA team, but that doesn't matter. It's all about Duke and UNC. And then you've got places like Kentucky and Kansas where they don't have NBA teams and it's all about college basketball. So it's a fun time of year for sure. And, uh, you know, if you have a chance to do a bracket, even if it's free, even if it's online, do it because it's a lot of fun and you will find yourself interested. What I I like about college basketball and I want to talk about this as far as adrenaline and sports and pinball. What I like about college basketball more so than the pros is just the eagerness of the kids playing like this might be their last game because they won't all go on to be pros. Just the passion of every shot, every play, they're all into it. And it's not always skilled play, but it, it's just that excitement. And it kind of does remind me of, you know, the first time you're doing pinball competitions too. You're used to playing at home or in your leagues, a little more casual. You get into pinball and all of a sudden the adrenaline starts going. You're like, I can't make this shot. What's going on? Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of truth to that, and I think that's the great pinball players are able to play like it's in their basement. And I, uh, you know, Bowen Karens and Keith Elwin, these guys are just cool cats on the on the big stage when the time comes. And I would, you know, when I first got into competitive pinball, I thought that I would have an advantage. I was sort of naive and thinking, you know what, I have a unique sports background. I've played in the NBA Finals. I re would regularly play in front of 20,000 screaming fans and I can handle the pressure in this little pinball tournament to win, you know, 50 bucks is not going to rattle me. And here I'd be hands sweating, getting all nervous, <laughs> hearts beating, I'm freaking out and I would drain and it would drive me nuts that the the mechanisms and the muscle memory and all of the techniques that I developed for basketball went completely out the window for, for pinball tournaments. And I think Bowen and I were, were teammates one time in a, in a doubles tournament. And usually no one can really talk to you while you're playing. But in this, you know, the rules of this where your partner can say anything to you, they can coach you. And having somebody like Bowen that was a, a rules expert and just a, you know, a great motivator and a great teammate. Uh, I think we were playing Creatures in Black Lagoon. And, and he was telling me, okay, Todd, uh, shoot the snack bar. Uh, three times. I need you to hit the snack bar three times. And so I said, okay, routinely, I've got to hit it three times. And I, I should have known subconsciously that there's, you don't need to shoot that three times in a row, but I did. The first one was just no big deal. And I hit it and it was a super jackpot and we won the match. And I was like, you lied to me. And he's like, if I told you, Hey, this is a big shot, hit it. We're going to win or we're going to lose. I'd get all nervous that I'd miss the shot. And he just, he tricked my brain and saying, Hey, we need three snack bars, get the first one. And that was the end of the match. And so uh, I think those great players do that. 
for themselves and they find a way to de-emphasize those moments and it's the same in, in basketball you know you've had all this time shooting a ball into in a rim the same size and you've got to keep it in perspective and while you understand the importance of the moment you don't let it overwhelm you somehow and you still you still play like you're having fun Good thing we didn't tell Todd before we started. Uh, there are 20,000 people listening to this podcast right now. He <laughs> might get nervous, Marty. So those are, uh, those are impressed. Those are impressive numbers. Good job, fellas. They are impressive, fictitious numbers. The hobby is growing, isn't it? <laughs> so were you always into pinball, like growing up before basketball? Or did it happen during or after? I've always been into uh, pinball uh, longer than I was into basketball. I was born in 1976, and as soon as I was old enough to be in an arcade or to go to the roller skating rink or go to the bowling alley and there was pinball machines and I had 50 cents in my pocket, I was playing it, and I used to... There's like a, a church group that I think after church and Bible study, we would go to the bowling alley. And I think there were three kids and one instructor. And when, uh, it, when it was my turn to bowl, I would throw, you know, in Canada, I think we had five pin bowling and three balls. And I would throw them all down the lane as quickly as possible, not caring what I hit. And then I would run to the arcade and play pinbot. Uh, and inevitably, if I was having a good game, it would get around to my turn. And they're like, where is Todd? He's never here. He's always playing pinball. Why do we even bowl with him? And so even as long as I can remember, I was re- I would rather play pinball than almost do anything else. And uh, when I signed with the Nets in New Jersey, we bought a, a house with an empty finished basement. And I found out that you could own pinball machines. And I said, uh, I would like a Whitewater, please, because that's the game I grew up with sort of in my summers. And I would like a Pinbot, because that's the game I grew up with. And I would like a Medieval Madness, uh, because they were affordable, and nobody was really into them back then. And that's the game I played in college. And those got delivered to my house. And it was just my wife and I, no kids at the time. And now I'm not a college student anymore, so I don't have to study. I'm a professional basketball player. And and my job on a non-game day is probably between 11 in the afternoon until two. So I had a lot of downtime. So I came home and just played pinball. And I thought there must be something wrong with me because this is all I want to do. And I'm sick and I need help. And then I all I did instead of getting help is I found other people that like to do that as well. (laughs) And I realized there was safety in numbers. And I realized I wasn't the only pinaholic. And that's how it all started for me in terms of collecting. But I've, I've loved the game since I was just a little guy. And obviously, you've excelled in it, too. In fact, you really got into competitive pinball. Martin said that it was 2006. So that's shortly after your NBA career. And I wonder when you play pinball and going from high-level competition in the NBA to whatever high-level competition pinball tournaments are, but still, it's competition. You mentioned about being nervous. I would assume in college, in the pros, at some point, you dealt with sports psychologists and maybe some reading on how to get that edge or be competitive. I'm wondering what some of these great books or techniques are that might carry over to pinball. Yeah, we definitely had... Uh, uh, sp- By the way, when you answer this, I'm going to cut this out so no one can hear it so that I can absorb this myself. <laughs> It'll be just for me and Marty. That's it. No one will get to hear this. So I hope I remember to cut this out. Go ahead. Yeah, we, we had access to sports psychologists and, and I think it was kind of a, a growing science and people were uh, realizing that you could really gain a big advantage. You know, I think they did a big study about someone that actually physically maybe shot 100 free throws a day and somebody that just visualized doing it. And I think they ended up with, uh, you know, similar 
similar similar results and so there was there was just a lot of people that realized that the visualization and relaxation and goal setting and really thinking about the game from a mental aspect could really help you in your in your career and so those are the sorts of things that I thought would help me in in pinball tournaments and uh, and they really didn't so I had to learn a whole new uh, skill set about uh, just trying to to have fun and, and not worry about the results and focus on the process and all the great coaches I've had all along the lines I mean there were 82 games in an NBA season uh, you're gonna you're gonna lose some you're not gonna win them all and our, our coach Larry Brown who's a, a Hall of Fame coach would sometimes we just didn't have it and he'd come in and say okay guys you know we're not gonna win every game and every season we're gonna have a couple stinkers like that let's just come back tomorrow and get back to work and so I think all the great ones focus on the process as, a, as opposed to the results and usually those results take care of themselves and so I think with pinball you know, I've always wanted to to be good, but I think more importantly, I've just wanted to have fun. And uh, the Sharp Brothers, of course, have have uh, you know grown up, <laughs> grown up to be a couple of the the best players in the in the world. And uh, I think I had asked them, like, how do you guys get better? What do you do? And at some point, I think they said, well, we you can take the glass off and you can work on your drop catches and you can do reps. And I said, nope, not interested. If if I have to disassemble this game down to its elements, I'm not interested. And so I just want to play a full game in my basement with my friends. And if I get better doing that, great. If I don't, I, I didn't want to distill the game down to its elements. I wanted to keep it whole and, and pure. And that's that's the way I've kept it as a, as a fun activity. That's interesting what you said about Larry Brown, the great coach who said, you know, after a stinker game, you let it go. We've got 82 in a season. So in pinball, I see a lot of people, I've been guilty myself of having a terrible ball and letting that get at me so that it affects the next two balls. And you talked about some of these cool, calm players that just nothing phases them. That's a real asset to be able to forget the bad ball and even forget the good ball too, because there's another ball. There's another game. Yeah, I think that's the I think that's the secret is just really keeping that in, in perspective and not letting one mistake uh, lead to the next one. Then also, you know, I feel like I've played in some tournaments where I've had a good ball one and maybe taken my foot off the gas a little bit, thinking I've you know, I've got this in the bag and just to see people uh, storm back. And so I, I think there's lessons to be learned about leaving something behind. There's, you know, there's really nothing I can do about uh, yesterday and I can't do anything about ball three yet. So I'm on ball two. This is the one I need to focus on. And I'm um, trying to trying to build up a lead and never, never really taking your foot on the gas. Because if, uh, if your opponent has a, a ball left, you know, I've seen people just blow up games. And so uh, there's been some times where I think I've let people creep up thinking that I had a safe lead that just did not turn out to be that safe. So that's that's the thing with tournaments is you have your ball and then you've got time to think. And that thinking time can can really help or hinder your game. Not only because you're reflecting on what you've just done, whether it's good or bad, you're then watching other people and you know, let's say you do ball one, you have this fantastic ball and you're on top of the world. The next player comes along and has an even better ball that can then play on your mind as well. So because you've got that time in between balls, there's too much thinking time to start getting in your head. And I know this may surprise you to hear this, that I'm, I wasn't an elite athlete. I know. Put your jaws what? off the ground. I know. I know. It's going to surprise everyone. I'm shocked everyone. to hear that. <laughs> I was told that when you came on this program. This is bullshit. Zach. <laughs> Zach Manny. New host. <laughs> but, but, but my, I, I have played sport. In my time, I played football for 12 years. But anyway, just don't hold that against me. But 
In basketball, because it is such a fast-paced game, the action is happening then and there. So you've still got the adrenaline, you've still got the reflexes, you've still got the action that's happening. You can still get in your head. The problem with pinball is you've got more time to actually reflect and that can make things worse. Yeah, I I totally agree. I think that was part of my problem uh, trying to use skills that I'd acquired in basketball is the game dynamics are very different. And in basketball, when you're on the court, you really don't have time to dwell on it and you have to constantly forget about a turnover or a missed shot. I mean, some of the best shooters in the NBA, one of my one of my friends, uh, Kyle Korver, he just retired after a, a 17 year uh, NBA career in which I think he's the fourth all time in three pointers made, like literally one of the best shooters of all time. And guys like that, if you miss a couple shots, you can't lose confidence. You know that you're a shooter. you got to keep shooting and you might have an off night, uh, but you, you start to get in your head and you, it can just uh, mess with you. And so the nice thing about basketball is there's a chance for instant redemption. And, and I, I do find it interesting in different games. You mentioned football. I'm, I'm thinking maybe you, uh, you know, in, in our country here, you know, we've got the uh, American football. And I think if you have a turnover as a quarterback and it, it ends up in a touchdown to the other team, you've got to sit on the sidelines and stew and, and you don't have a chance to get right back on the, on the field. And, um, you have to think about it. And and I think the good quarterbacks are able to forget about it and come out and, and instead of compounding. In basketball, if you make a mistake or a turnover, you have a chance to redeem yourself almost immediately. If you miss a shot, you can go get the rebound. If you miss a shot, you can go back on defense and try and get a stop. And so I think that's one of the things I liked about the game was this, uh, you know, this in pinball, we have instant feedback. You see that score going up, things are happening. And in basketball, you just try and keep putting that ball through the hoop and you get uh, an instant satisfaction of knowing I'm scoring points, I'm, I'm going up. And I think when you when you sit the bench in basketball, that's when that's when your mind starts to get into it. So when you're in the game, it's the easy part. When you're on the bench, not knowing if you're going to play, not being a starter. I, I think there was one stretch where maybe I sat out for ten or fifteen games, and by the time the coach put me in ten or fifteen games later, I had kind of lost my confidence. I had lost my rhythm. I didn't know what to do in the game. And I went in with the wrong attitude. I went in with the attitude, okay, this is my chance. I can't screw up. I have to go in and not make any mistakes. And I was so concerned with not making a mistake that I didn't, I wasn't proactive. I wasn't aggressive. I wasn't attacking the defense, trying to make them make mistakes. And and going out there, trying not to fail was a huge difference from going out there and trying to win and trying to put pressure on them. And so I, I learned that lesson the hard way. And I realized I can't go in there just trying to, you know, trying to stay out of people's way and not make a mistake. I've got to go uh, use my will to try and force force the contact and uh, and make it happen. And so I think in pinball, you're absolutely right, where you can really be negatively affected if you are watching somebody crush a machine. Um, and normally, if you weren't concerned with what they were doing, I think you might be able to step up, play your own game, and let the cards fall where they may. But I think you can really uh, you psych yourself out by seeing somebody do really well. And so I think some players maybe use music to, to tune out what their opponent is doing. I've seen uh, top level players take a walk and not sit there and, and watch. I mean, I think there's some, you know, I, I know I'm guilty of this. Sometimes you watch an opponent and you might be in your head saying, drain, left. You know, you see it go through the the uh, out lane and you're kind of hoping for it. But I think sometimes that negative energy kind of comes back to bite you and uh, you get some pinball karma. Yeah, what a dick move. <laughs> <laughs> we all do it. Who, who would do that? Who would do it? <laughs> I've had success at pinball in my short little time. You know, I've, I've won major tournaments here in Canada, in the U.S., another country too. Where do you live, Marty? Anyway, 
<laughs> the reason I bring this up is because you have seen people from all over the world. In fact, at your own home when you hosted the IFPA World Championship, which is pretty cool. For those that don't know, <laughs> I think you said to Josh, okay, so if I host, I get a free entry. And he's like, uh, no, you, you've got to earn it. <laughs> and then you won Pinball Expo to get you in. So it was legitimate, but there's no free host spot. You know, it's not, it's not like... Uh, the Olympics, I feel like the host country you know, gets an automatic bid in a lot of sports. And I was hoping this would be like the pinball Olympics. And then uh, Josh and Zach would just let me play. And I found out two months before that that was not the case. And so I think I was uh, ranked 246 or something. And I had to get up to about 105th in two months. And they told me to get off my ass and start playing well. Otherwise, I'm going to be hosting this tournament with no chance of playing. And so I think it was that incentive and that motivation that, uh, you know, never say die attitude where I, I went into Expo not you know, I, I would have loved to have won it, but I just needed to play well. I needed to finish well. And I took, you know, everything very seriously. Um, and, and somehow I was able to win that tournament. I'm still not sure um, how that happened. I know I know Wheel of Fortune happened. And uh, that's a game that not everybody loves. I happen to love it. And I've still still got mine. And that the bottom of that game, not being an Italian bottom, is kind of unique and different. And so every time I lost game one of a best of three, I evened the score on Wheel of Fortune against every opponent that I played. And fortunately, there were two Trons in the tournament. There was a Tron LE and a Tron regular, and those were considered separate entities. So if you picked one Tron that didn't discourage you or eliminate you from picking the other one, and uh, Tron was the latest game to come out. It had come out in, I'd gotten mine in June, and Expo was in October, and I loved it so much and still do that I played it basically exclusively you know, for all those months leading up to Expo. And, um, and so I had a lot of success on Tron because I think it's a fantastic game. But it's interesting when you play a game that you're familiar with, especially for the rules, and you play a different version of it. It's not the one in your basement or your home. Uh, the shots might be a little bit different. The angle might be a little different. The flippers might be aligned a little different. The tilts, all that kind of stuff. It's not necessarily an advantage. You're comfortable because you know the rules, but those shots that I know what's here on the flipper, oh, it's not on this machine. <laughs> Uh, there's a lot of lot of truth to that, and so you might go into it thinking, I know this game, uh, and I think sometimes you're better off playing a game that you just don't have a, a bias for, thinking where the shots are going to be and then having to learn them and sometimes have some painful lessons where you've got some drains that happen. And, and I think if you go into a game you don't know, you're just playing it as it comes and you're not, you're not thinking about having to make adjustments. And so when I hosted the World Championships here, it was, a, it was an honor and it was a, a very cool experience. And I think I, I had all the modern pinballs that I needed and I didn't have all the sort of 70s and 80s games that I needed and I didn't have the 50s and 60s games. So friends of mine brought those over. And so while you think I might have some sort of home, home court advantage, uh, the 50s through 80s games were all sort of new to me. And my modern games, um, you know, a, a couple of friends had uh, volunteered their time to rebuild my flippers, change the flipper rubbers, move the posts around. And so they did not play uh, the friendly way that I was used to them playing in my basement. And that's my excuse for not doing well at the World Championships here uh, at my house. But it was, uh, I think, for the, uh, by and large, people had a good time here. And I wanted to, to show people a good time. And if they were going to take their vacation time from Finland and Norway and Germany and Britain and Australia, and fly here on their dime, uh, I wanted to make sure that they, they left and had a good time. And I think overall, people enjoyed the, the weekend they spent here. I also find when I'm in tournaments and I'm up against a, a machine that I have, people look at me and go, oh, you're going to do so well because you've got this machine. And I have to explain every time that that's 
actually not the case. I do know the rule and the, sh- the shots backwards, but invariably I actually do lose more often on machines that I own at home because of that difference. And, and you've got a, a large collection that's probably going to put you more of a disadvantage than most. Yeah, once a year I host the Seattle Pinball League and a, a number of Seattle players come over here and I think on my fun house there was like a nine-way tie and I think the top eight advanced and I thought, well, this is, I'm in. And I think I got ninth out of nine people on my own fun house and it kind of kind of ticked me off a little bit that, uh, you, you know, you think it's going to be an advantage when you when you have the games and I lost once in a tournament in uh, in Stern's NBA and people got a laugh that I got beat in the NBA, but that that's going to happen. Well, I was actually going to ask that whether you do own either Stern NBA or NBA Fast Break. I have Stern NBA, and uh, I really, I really like it. I've, I'm operating it at a local um, pizza place here, and a friend of mine as a uh, as a present, he's got. Uh, well, we both have a friend that's a graphic artist, and so for my birthday, he went to work on the back glass, and it has you know amazing players on there, Hall of Famers like Allen Iverson and Yao Ming and Kobe Bryant and Dwight Howard, and just these incredible players. And then uh, my back glass has me on it. So he was he worked his magic, and he made some room, and he took a uh, an action shot of me and put it up on the glass so i have the only nba stern nba with todd mcculloch on the back glass which is a you know a fraud um but um (laughs) uh it's it's a lot of fun and on my wheel of fortune my uh maria's bobblehead fell off and i happened to have a todd mcculloch bobblehead laying around here so my friend was able to doctor it up and put a todd mcculloch bobblehead onto maria's body so uh, my wheel of fortune has has a todd mac head on it so some custom mods but i i really like stern's nba and uh it's tricky to get to the wizard mode it's not it's not impossible but for the longest time i couldn't do it or i hadn't done it and the Wizard mode is called the NBA Finals, and I said this is bullshit. It's harder. I've been, you know, it's harder to get to the NBA Finals in this game than it is in real life. I've been twice in real life, and I can't do it on this damn game. But since then, I've been able to get to it, and it's it's a it's a great game. I love it. Marty, do you see what Todd did there? It's a, it's a brilliant move, and a lot of athletes who are used to talking to the media do that, where they throw out something that make you want to question it, but they don't end there. They keep on talking so that hopefully the broadcaster won't remember what they said. But I actually wrote this down. You so picked up on T- it. Todd said he had his pitcher on his back glass, and he has a bobblehead on oh, the Wheel of Fortune game. I was just going to say, he's got a bobblehead. Yeah. So thanks for helping the modest image of Canadians, Todd. Appreciate that. Fuck. <laughs> All right, I'll send you a bobblehead. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I mean, Jeff and I are so proud that we have our trading cards. We ain't got a bobblehead, though. So Wait till the sponsor of the week. <laughs> yeah. Never- okay, Todd, you, you talked about your Wheel of Fortune with the uh, the bobblehead. That That's great. Um, I know you mentioned Tron. These are some of the games you like, too. We're doing this little thing. You're going to be able to see it on our social media about overrated pinball machines. So, obviously, you're not going to include those. But, you know, what are some of the games? Because you've been operating for a long time. You've played a lot of games. You certainly have a big collection. What is the game or games that you think, I just don't get it? These are overrated. I was listening to the segment on your last one, and, and um, I think there was a good point there about is it overrated or are they overpriced? And so uh, I would I would have to say you know some of the games are, are overpriced, but in terms of overrated, um, oh, I don't See, know. He knows That's all a, the designers. He's afraid to throw them under the yeah, bus. Well, Do it. There's that. Part of, I'm, I'm thinking about part of it is, you know, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. And part of it is, is I'm just such a lover of pinball. And I just think, you know, pretty, pretty recently and in, in the last little while, 
there's just been so many hits, you know, so many, so many great games that I, I'll play one game and say, oh, this is the best game ever, and I'll go to the next one. So I'm a pretty easy audience in terms of, uh, so it's hard for me to, to be to be negative about any of these machines. Go back a few years then if you don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Come on. I don't love Shaq Attack. It's not, it's not my yeah. favorite game. So, uh, you know, I don't want to tell that to, to Shaq, but uh, that's not my favorite game. Uh, he's, a, he's a great player and a great opponent, but I don't love that one. Not that it's overrated. It's funny that you bring that up because I look at pinball machines. There are a ton of old games that have some sort of card or poker theme. There's a lot of games that have pool, but actually there's a ton with basketball. Marty mentioned NBA Fast Break. There's the NBA game. There's also obviously Harlem Globetrotters. There's hoops. You just mentioned Shack Attack. The Space Jam. There's a Space lot of Jam, basketball games. That to say, yeah, yeah. You know, it's a sport that's stood the test of time, and it makes sense to you know have a ball go uh, go through a hoop. So uh, you know, I think the the fast break is is pretty fun when you when you link it together. I'm I'm a big proponent on of uh, having people play head to head and in pinball. That's been very challenging. I've got a joust pinball machine here. I love to see people playing that. I love to have people play, you know, multiple, uh, you know, head to head games. I love how the turtles has a, you know, you can always go, you know, one for one, you can go two versus two, you can go three against one. If you have a great player in your group, you can all play together. So I, I love any uh, way that these games can be made more social. Um, I, I have a, a TNA that's uh, you know, total nuclear annihilation. That's one of my favorite games. I got, uh, you know, if I used to have friends come over, we would all play together and, and try and take down nine reactors. And I'm, I'm constantly trying to introduce new people to pinball it's fun when i have pinballers over because they you know i don't have to explain to them how special these games are you guys know obviously we're on a podcast right now but i'm, I'm tr always trying to bring in new people and often when i used to invite them they would say oh i suck at pinball you're just going to kill me i won't be any competition right i said i don't care how good you are i just want you to come and have a good time and and look at my face on the back glass that's look, that's what look you at say my face, look at my bobblehead you yeah. know check out yeah. how awesome i am Yep. And so I'm always, I think they feel if I play it like a, a two player game, they, I think they feel like I'm looking over their shoulder or that somehow we're competing and they're, you know, letting me down or they feel frustrated by the game. And that's the last thing I want. And so when you have a game like TNA or Turtles where you can play together and be inclusive and say, Hey, we're, we're on the same team. We're not competing. Then people are very, you know, much less reluctant to join in if they can be a part of the team as opposed to feeling like they're going to, you know, be bad at pinball and, and somehow feel like I'm, I'm, I'm watching them just to try and give them some pointers, but I think they feel like I'm judging them, which is just not the case. I just want them to love the game the way I do. You said they might be worried you're looking over their shoulder. Whose shoulder are you not looking over? <laughs> Yao, Yao Ming, I think. That would exactly. Be, uh, that'd be about it. Yeah. So it's a, uh, it's a crazy, uh, it's a crazy game. I don't know. It's just got, it's got its hooks in me and I can't seem to, I, I'm not really trying hard to get them to get them out. And I, I just think there's just so many, so many great games from um, lots of different manufacturers and to see how far the industry has, has come. So I think, I don't know how long you guys have been collecting or playing, but it's, I just, I feel like there's some validity to, you know, the, the fun and the joy that I've tried to spread. I feel like more people are getting the message now. There's more leagues, there's more tournaments, there's more collectors. And, and all of a sudden I feel like, yeah, I've been saying, you know, not that, uh, I'm the only one, but for 20 years, I've been telling people, hey, pinball's great, come over and play it. And it's taken a little while, but it's, uh, it seems to, be, seems to be catching on around the world, which is, which is pretty cool. So then of the, the more recent games, let's leave it to the, maybe the last three years. What are some of your favorite games that have come out in recent times? 
Um, having a ton of fun with Avengers right now. I think Keith Elwin is uh, not only a great player, but an incredible designer. So having a lot of fun with Jurassic Park and Avengers. Um, also really liking um, Elvira House of Horrors. I, I really love Dennis Nordman's work. Uh, Whitewater was it was probably my uh, my first or second love of pinball. So I just love the way he you know makes the game shoot. I am having a ton of fun with uh, Pirates of the Caribbean with uh, with Jersey Jack. And just how a, a wide body can shoot like a narrow body and uh, trying to get through that game. And right next to that is Rick and Morty. And I'm having a, I just, I laugh when I hear the call outs and sometimes you might start a new game mid game and, and it's not going to let you off the hook. It's going to give you a rude comment for quitting on it. And so I, I, I'll often smile when I'm playing amusing games of pinball and, and they'll say things that are funny, but I just feel like I've heard all of them and none, none of it's a surprise, but it, you know, as new code comes out with Rick and Morty, it's one of the few games that makes me laugh uh, out loud. And so I'm, I'm thrilled with a lot of these efforts that a lot of these companies are, are putting out. And I, I just think, as a collector, I think it's it's just it's just wins uh, all across the board. So you're a collector, but also pandemic aside, you're an operator too. I wonder what it's like there in the Seattle area, in Washington State, where you have a lot of your games on location. I hope a lot of those locations are certainly going to survive. And a lot of Americans are getting their vaccines. They're saying everyone will have it by May, which is great. So that means, you know, we're turning the corner. Things will get to normal, hopefully by the end of this year and maybe even sooner. What is it like there for you as an operator with some of those locations? Will we be able to rebound? I think we will. I mean, it's been uh, it's been tough, and, and fortunately, operating has been you know a hobby business for me. It's been a small business, and it's been for fun. And I don't depend on that to put food on the table. But I I do know people. I have friends that uh, that that is their primary source of income. And I felt you know horribly uh, for them for just how tough this has been for you know many of them having their games off or their places closed for you know for a year. And so uh, it's been extremely tough. And I've tried to you know buy some gift cards and support them and. Uh, you know, it, whether it was GoFundMe's or just places that people that I want to support and places that I want to, I want to still be there when this is over. But, you know, fortunately, the there's starting to be some light at the end of the tunnel here and things are starting to open up and they're starting to have some inside dining and games are allowed to be on now and sort of spaced apart. And so things are starting to um, improve. And uh, I just think over time, I think people are just when they can safely go out, I think they're going to want to do it. And I, and I think just with, um, you know, COVID, maybe uh, the concern or just the way in which it's passed from people, there's maybe not as much of a concern as it being a contact surface, like a pinball machine. Of course, you want to take precautions and you want to wipe everything down. But I think uh, for a time there where it was just unknown, um, it just seemed like we'd picked a hobby that just wasn't, it was going to take a, a while to to get back to. But I do think that the future is bright for pinball. And I and I think the with the success of some of the manufacturers and, and the demand, I think people are gonna are gonna want to go out and play, and I think with the rising cost of some of the some of the games, you know, people might not be able to collect as many as they would like, and so they may need to turn to some public venues that I think are going to be places that people are going to want to go and play. Because I do think the products that these companies are putting out are worth going out for and playing and and putting money into. I think they're you know fantastic, and I think that's why they can go back and rerun these titles because they're not cutting corners; they're making games that are timeless and um you know i think that's why we can still enjoy pinballs we have in our collections whether they're from the 50s or 60s they're, they're still fun because the designers of those games built them in a way that they i don't know there's something about pinball where it just doesn't get old as an operator what do you think makes a good machine for earning potential 
I think theme is is uh, really important, and so I'm always uh, I'm always talking to you know my friends that are operators to find out what is doing well, and some of it is location dependent. You'll have a title that works great in one place, and it just doesn't work somewhere else. But there's there's some some general rules, and I think theme is really important for people. Uh, I think just the level of difficulty, you know, you, you'll have, you know, whether it's a game like Shadow or something that people like to play, but it just, you know, just eats their lunch and, and the ball, there's just the, the ball times are too short or, you know, something like Ghostbusters is a great theme and I think it earns great. I love mine. Uh, I know there's some other people that don't want to put money in it because they just feel like the game is going to be shorter because of the, uh, you know, the big gap in the, in the center. You did listen to our last show. I, uh, I did. So I... Um, yeah, I, I tend to, you know, put games, uh, if I wanted to maximize earnings, I think I would probably move my games around a little bit more and keep it keep it fresh. But I, I kind of just, uh, there was something to be said when I was a kid for knowing that when I went to the roller skating rink, Pinbot was going to be there. Or if I went to this mall, Bram Stoker's Dracula would be there. My other arcade, Data East Jurassic Park was there. And so I kind of liked knowing it was a little bit like sports where you know who the players are on a team and they spend some time there. So maybe that's just me being lazy, uh, not loving to move them. But instead of trying to, uh, you know, maximize the revenue, I kind of like to find a good fit for a game and then just let it uh, stay there as long as um, as long as the location is happy with it. Well, Todd, while we've got you on here, I do need some help from you because uh, one of the stereotypes, and it's going to be hard for you to prove it wrong, of Canadians is that we're highly intelligent. You add ginger to the fact that we're talking Mensa society, but let's just see if Marty can dispel this myth. So Marty, actually, Marty, I want you to go on FaceTime with me right now so I can see that you're not Googling. I'm sending you a video thing right now, you cheating SOB. Okay. Oh, his camera's off, so I can't see him type Google. Here, hold on a second here. Where is he? Uh, put on some pants, for God's sakes, please. Hello? <laughs> or at least move the camera up. Let me call you back, because I can see me, but not you. I'll call you back. This is my way of preventing Marty from cheating, Todd. He is. You gotta keep. You gotta keep an eye on him. Those. those he Aussies. is a filthy cheater. If, you know, it's the reason we don't on this show do the old head-to-head classic where we have the challenges because I know he's gonna read. There he is. Okay. So when I ask you the question, your hands need to be in the air, Marty. <laughs> hands plural. Well, I'm holding my phone with oh, one. So he's a thumb. Typer. Okay. Here we go. Okay. Okay. There we go. Hold on. Oops. I just dropped mine. Okay, hold on a second here. This is a question for both of you. I will let Marty answer first, okay? This is a trivia question that is fair for both of you. Marty, the category is famous Australians. Okay. Sorry, Todd, but that's just the first category that came up, all right? First, First question. This person hails from Melbourne, Australia. Wow. Oh, you're screwed, Todd. Marty, who is Ben Simmons? Is he the guy that plays for Utah? That, you know what? I'm going to give him half a point there for guessing that it was an NBA player. Isn't Ben on Philly? Yeah, he's on Philly. No <laughs> points, no half points, no nothing. He's, he gets zero. I figured it would be sport related. Only because, you know, I went to Utah and I saw Utah, whatever they're called, play. And I think they had two Australians in the team. Pretty pretty memorable experience. I saw Utah whatever's play. I think that's he, their he, team name. He saw Utah Jazz, by the way, one of the best teams in the NBA this year, against the Lakers. It wasn't like oh, he just man. saw a dud game. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> yeah, was, but, yeah, but it was disappointing because we were meant to have that whoever is that famous player. LeBron James. Yeah, LeBron. is that who it is? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, that, that and he didn't him, turn yeah. up. He didn't, he didn't turn, turn up because it doesn't need to. Okay. I'm going to give him a half point there. So you get the other half point. 
Todd, it's even. Okay. Okay. All right. Famous Australians. This is a pinball question. A pinball question, Marty. Hands up. Okay, I can see them. So he's not typing. Hands up. This is a pinball question. Famous Australians. Who is Luke Longley related to pinball? Never heard the name in my life. Oh, we'll throw it over to you, Todd. He's a, you know, he's a Chicago Bull and he won, I think, three championships with them. I'm trying to think how he relates to pinball. Uh, I don't know. Is he, is he on the back glass of fast break, maybe? Well, you probably put your face over it. Uh, so that's probably why you didn't know that answer. But no, he's a trivia question in that game. Ah, okay. Trivia Which question. player hails from Australia? Okay. Well, okay, so, so there is a, there is a pinball tie in there. There is, uh, no points for either one of you. So, um, Okay, you didn't know like, that. I, That's I, fu- I think that I think that would have been pretty obvious. Me trying to Google that, just the delay in trying to answer those. I don't think you needed to see me. I just don't trust. I, I don't know if you have voice commands. Yeah, well, I I, admittedly, we're Australians, we're convicts. I get it. Blah, blah. <laughs> I didn't say that. I just said I've heard you on head to head. I don't know if you have a Rolodex of flyers when you were reading, but it was incredible <laughs> how quickly you would come up with that stuff. How about this? Todd, I don't think – it wasn't the last time we saw each other because that would have been at Expo, I guess, two years ago. Yeah. But one of my favorite moments with you was a very fortunate moment, and you mentioned Ed Robertson earlier. Ed, Todd, myself, three Canucks were the broadcasters for the – The last circuit finals. That was so much fun. Yeah, that was that was fun. We had a we had a great lineup, and we had a lot of fun in the finals, and it was great competition. And uh, I don't know if you were um, – uh, supposed to go to it last year. I think it was right about right about this time last year. But uh, I was looking forward to doing that again and hopefully working with with you and Ed again because that was a, that was a great lineup. With good times. Yeah, I didn't get the invite. Thanks, Zach Sharp, son of a. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't know, no, but uh, you did a great job, and of course Ed as well, and he had a little concert there too. It was fun, and again, you talk about great competitions. That was one Andy Rosa won, and uh, that'll be neat, especially the way they're doing it for the next time. It's the top twenty players. You lose a game. You're gone. One and done. So big, one and done. Big bucks there. So I look forward to seeing you on that as well. And I think the last time we talked was Pinball Profile. We were talking about a movie you shot where you were some sort of a bad guy. Let's just say we has that come out yet? What's the latest on that? Um, still, uh, still looking for a distribution. So it's uh, the movie's sort of wrapped in a sense, and everything has been turned over to the producer. And last I heard, uh, that producer was shopping it around to different. Um, you know, streaming services and companies, and I have not Shutter, heard. yeah. Yeah, you know, might end up there. So who who knows? But unfortunately, I don't have any news to, to share on that on that front. So my my film debut, in terms of anyone else seeing it, um, it's gonna it's gonna take a little while. But I I will let you know. You need the trifecta. You can't just have a bobblehead and a backlash. You have to have a a film as well. I have to have a film credit as a as a bad guy. But speaking of films, you had to be excited again since the last time we talked that Deep Root said they were going to be making a Goonies pinball machine. I know how much you love Goonies. I love love Goonies, and throughout the pandemic, we've had a, we've had some family nights for watching watching movies, and I thought it'd be a good chance to introduce the kids to a bunch of the movies that I loved as a as a kid. And so that one just brings back a lot of good memories, and uh, the rock that they come out at the end there is uh, Haystack Rock, and it's down in uh, Cannon Beach, Oregon. I think the movie is supposed to take place in Astoria nearby, uh, but it's just so scenic at Cannon Beach. It was, it's very picturesque, and we go down there from time to time, and so I feel like I'm uh, living the Goonies when we go down to Cannon Beef. So I, I am very excited for, for that title. I think that was a great land for them to get that license. Speaking of, you were talking about great 
tournaments. And and obviously, I, I met you uh, 2019, Pinburg, and there was obviously a fantastic tournament there that really only Jeff and I competed in. Do you remember this tournament, Jeff? No, I don't remember it. Sorry, Todd's got to go. Um, <laughs> running out of time here. Thanks very much. Uh, if I can't talk about tournament wins, you can't talk about tournament wins. You won the Trash Talker Invitational. All right, big deal. All right. No, I'm not talking about that tournament. What? I'm talking about the competition that you and I had as a side tournament at the end of Pinburg, where we bet either one of us who was the best friend of Todd McCulloch. Oh, for God's <laughs> sakes, you! Oh shit! So this—I don't think this has gone on air. I don't. We didn't talk about this on air, did we? So, so <laughs> I think we were just talking about you for some reason, Todd and Marty had to name drop and say, oh, yeah, he's a good friend of mine. I'm like, oh, wait a second. I'm Canadian here. You're trying to say Todd likes you more than me? Like, sorry, Marty, you're a great guy, but it's not a chance. So, of course, I text Todd and I said, Todd, there's a boat sinking. You can only save one person. Who's it going to be, Jeff or Marty? <laughs> I don't think I hesitated very much. It was no, Marty No, you didn't. You... Yeah. <laughs> I, think I, I think I got right back to you right away. It did not take long. <laughs> you even said, I think... You found an extra life preserver. You'd still hold my head under. I, I need Marty. I need Marty to have two life preservers just to make sure that he he floats and stays alive. <laughs> he likes to put his feet up. <laughs> I appreciate that. So you're welcome. Anyway, I'm so the Jeff, winner. Is really what we're saying. Jeff, you had a good time down in Australia visiting uh, these guys down there. It's a great place. Have you been? I was in the Sydney Olympics in the year 2000. I played for Team Canada's basketball team, and uh, Australia was a wonderful host country, and I couldn't think of a better city or country to host. If I had to play in Olympics, that was the one to be in. And um, So I, I love the country, and I need to go back. Yeah, it, it's it's a beautiful country. I mean, I, I only saw it for all of 10 days from Perth to Sydney and, of course, uh, slummed it in Melbourne. Um, but I'm definitely going back. I think I was planning on going back uh, next year. I'm probably going to check out Queensland, the one area I haven't seen. And I'd like to get to New Zealand as well, too. Uh, so I, I, could, I could spend a lot of time there. It's very lovely and uh, good people. That's what I like. I always judge the place. I mean, the scenic aspect is wonderful, but it's the people. And something about Australians and Canadians, maybe you can kind of relate a little bit, Todd. But, I mean, we both kind of have the same sense of humor and just – self-deprecating and all that kind of fun stuff yeah we got similar populations and similar land mass and uh, i think just a similar joie de vie we just uh just a love for love for life and i loved all the aussies that i met and you will love new zealand as well they were some of the some of the best people i i had met and so i need to get down to the south island and check out the natural beauty of that but i love the people there yeah new zealand is fantastic great people hi Ryder dave yeah, Dave Pack and, and Danielle, too, uh, two wonderful people. So, well, Todd, thank you very much for coming on the program. Speaking of islands, i got to get to your island. Um, uh, that will be a lot of fun, and I certainly will do that the next time in the Northwest. Uh, it's an island I believe you own. Am I correct in that? Uh, partial, partial. <laughs> we're, we're, we're working on the rest of it, but it's uh, it's a great place to live. We've got a, a growing pinball scene. I've got a friend that I've infected with the pinball bug, and he's bought a bunch of machines, and now he's – renting them to people and so he's got a healthy rental market so we're just putting pinball machines into the homes of more people and they're finding out how much fun it is and so i think there's five batman 66 on on bainbridge island which is you know per capita is uh is pretty good and so we're we're try trying to do our part to uh to grow the game and it's you know people are realizing not only is it fun but it's fun to play together so we need to and we get everybody uh, healthy and safe so we can start to meet up and play publicly because that's everybody really enjoys that. 
Yeah, I was out in the Northwest. You know why I didn't come to your place? I didn't invite you? You did invite me. I just didn't trust you because I thought, I got to take a ferry off there. He'll throw me off the boat, for fuck's sakes. He'll he'll save Marty. Yeah. <laughs> Can't blame me. Can't blame me for that. No regrets. Thanks very much for joining us. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you, guys. I love your show. Keep up the good work. You guys uh, You guys are a super team. I like it. You're, uh, you're a lot better than that pinball profile guy, Marty, so uh, keep up the good work. <laughs> Thank oh. you. There you go. You know, I need some space on my pinballprofile.com, so I'm going to be deleting a few episodes. Oh, there goes the Todd one. Oh, there goes this other one. There they go. And there goes the Josh Sharp ones. That would be well, half my data right 75% there. 75% of your show. <laughs> okay. Take care, buddy. All right. We'll see you guys. Have a good one. So there we go, everybody. Todd McCulloch, great guy. But what did we learn, Jeff? I am never going on a boat with him unless I'm wearing a life jacket. Yeah, I think uh, the evidence was pretty overwhelming in my favor. I would survive. Todd would survive. We'd have a great life together. You'd be dead. That's pretty much how it went, wasn't it? I'd be chum. You're right. Uh, that's that's not cool. Fellow Canadian, I'm not impressed. Okay, we started off by talking about me saying a boot and our and sorry and all those other Canadian things I say. Did he talk Canadian? He's been in the States a long time. No, no. See, that's the thing. I, <laughs> this is, again, we talked about the fact that I said college football instead of college basketball because I just, you know, I don't give a shit about sports. I didn't even know he was Canadian till you mentioned it on the podcast. When we started recording and you're like, oh, Canadian. And I'm like, oh, is he Canadian? Didn't know. I am embarrassed. I did know he was in the Olympics in Sydney in 2000, but that's a long time ago. I've forgotten more things in the last 21 years. So anyway, he is a good guy and uh, I do look forward to getting to his island. It is his island. Let's, let's call it for what it is uh, in the upper Northwest. Uh, great collection. And yeah, he's a fun guy. We'll have him on again. Yeah, he's a really nice guy. And as I said, I, I, I met him at Pinburg a couple of years ago. It's really interesting because, you know, in this bubble that we're in, you arguably more well-known than I am. Bullshit. So, well, no, it's true. But when I go to these things and I see people that I recognize that are famous, I'm like, oh, my God, you know. And I saw Tom McCulloch. I mean, again, another tall joke. It was hard to miss him. He literally was the tallest person there. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's Tom McCulloch. And then he came up to me and said, oh, hey, Marty. And I went, oh, my God, he knows who I am. That was <laughs> me sort of being a little bit starstruck. So, I think that kind of that stuff's kind of cool. What's funny is he does listen to a lot of podcasts and he likes a lot of pinball content and he does like going to shows. I know he's got the young kids he mentioned, but when I asked him, I sent him a text. Hey, what are you doing? Do you want to come on final round? He goes, I'm actually listening to final round with Steve Bowden as we are texting. So I thought that was pretty cool. Pretty much a good way to secure a guest. So if I reach out to you, just say, I'm listening to final round right now. Good chance you'll be a guest. That's how it works. Absolutely. We'll have you on. The other thing that we learned, pinball aside. I still think it is awesome that he's got a bobblehead. I, I just, that was kind of crazy to me that you, like, you know, the biggest celebrities have either dolls or bobbleheads and it's, it's kind of cool. And he's got it in his Wheel of Fortune. That's so funny. The backlash. Yeah, he's got it all. I mean, it's certainly pimped out, but, uh, you know, here's us with our, we're happy with them, but if we're comparing- we just have Walter Day trading cards. Everybody's got one now. My son's got <laughs> yes, one. Your son's got one. So congratulations on, on Brady getting his for Led Zeppelin. It's cool. How did and that what happen? What I liked about that is you could have easily have done yourself, but I'd imagine in your head you're going, you know what? I've already got a card. Let me give it to somebody else. 
Well, a couple of things. I love Walter Day, what he's doing, that he is putting people on that have not been on a card before. So I never had any intention to go on it. I did ask Carson to go on it, but a little too cool for school, 19 years old. Yeah, dad, I'm not, I'm not going to do it. So, you know, maybe it was a bad hair day or whatever the case. Brady, he, he was young enough that he's like, yeah, you're doing it. <laughs> you're getting on Zeppelin. Yeah. I, I get it's awesome. And there's, there's friends that I know that have now got cards as well because they own the machines and yeah. it was first in best dressed. Good on them. I think that's freaking awesome. It is very nice. I mean, the whole Walter Day trading card collection for all the different things he does, pretty impressive too. And uh, just it, not only people, machines, but events as well. I just did a pinball profile about Eric Wurtenberger, who's on the pinball network, and he had a Walter Day card for his Pincinnati show coming up in December. So that's nice. What I do want to know about these cards is, are they collectibles? Like, are, are people actually going, oh, there's the new Jeff Teolis card. I've got to have that one. And they're like, hmm, I'll trade you one Jeff Teolis for two Martin Robbins. Is, is that kind of that whole swapping collectability happening with their, these cards? I just don't know. I would imagine, for the most part, probably not. I have seen some people with albums of thousands of these cards. So I do know that there are collections. If you go to Indisc, and next time you do, I'll show you, right in the Museum of Pinball, where all those huge games are, there's a little side room. I know Omoto uses it a lot for setting up camera gear and, and things like that. You can see the display of a lot of the cards in there. So they are on display and... Uh, Again, I think it probably means more to the individual. And uh, I don't know. I, I just think it's great that all these people are being highlighted. Some over 300 this year. And, and it's just great. Well, here's another question for you. So, I, I can relate to we have football cards, right, for the AFL. And I'm sure there's other sports here. And, you know, there's Pokemon cards and all those kind of collectible cards. And the rarest cards are foil cards, right? So, they've got a metallic film they've been printed on. They're the rarest and the most valuable. Who in the pinball world would be a foil card? I don't know. I think, does a foil card mean it's just rare? They've only printed so many. So, every 10,000 packs, you might get a foil card. If it's that, it can be anybody, but it would probably be somebody who's a designer or a great pinball player, an artist, something like that, a coder. I mean, you know, it makes sense to be a Roger Sharp, a Keith Elwin, Steve Ritchie, people like that. Could be Harry Williams. I don't know. It it depends. I mean, it's funny how they manipulate. Zach Manny's big into cards lately. Um, You probably heard him on the pinball show talk about collecting cards and going to Walmart, waiting in line for hours. There's been a bit of a resurgence because of the pandemic, but let's not forget what happened in 1991, 92. In a lot of the sporting card world, and I used to collect up until that point, it just exploded. They would mass produce everything. And there was, if there were one, two, three different types of baseball cards. Well, now there were 30 different sets and it just got to be too much and and, and they weren't worth the paper they were printed on back then. So I know with these foils and things you're talking about now, signature series, things like that, they're worth a little bit more, but it's funny to see cards go on auctions and sell for millions of dollars, but uh, those are definitely rare and probably not anything in your collection or mine. Correct. I think the, probably the main difference is with those other collectible cards, you do buy them in packs. And, you know, if it's a pack of 10, you might get seven common, two uncommon, and one rare and uh, an ultra rare foil. With these cards, they literally print off 
a hundred. I don't know how many they keep and they give you a hundred. So if they were selling them in packs and there was currency associated with rareness of the cards, that's probably how it would work. But I don't think these cards have got that sort of format where it is sold in packs with rarity. If you act now, go to finalroundpinball at gmail.com. You can get a Martin Robbins and Jeff Teolis foil Walter Day trading card. What is this, you ask? It's simply the card wrapped in tinfoil. That's it. <laughs> it literally is. Oh, do you know what? Missed opportunity. I could have put my cards in the, uh, in the trophies. Anyway, I didn't. Oh, that's too bad. Darn it. Speaking of trophies, you've got a new job. I guess you're working at the post office now? I... <laughs> It felt like I was working at the post office because I did send out the reach around trophies yesterday, I think it was. Uh, Two hours I was in the post office sending those out. Two hours, Jeff. I'm impressed, especially during a pandemic. And you know who's really going to be impressed are all those fine reach around winners. So everything has been mailed. And that was this week, uh, I guess the week of March. Actually, they were last week. So it would have been March first the week so give it a few weeks remember it's coming from australia so they will be coming but uh please let us know when you receive your reach around because it was a fun show to do and uh even (laughs) even maybe funnier to make the awards and there was a little work involved but it's all going to pay off and a nice keepsake It, it was and it was a celebration of all things pinball and it was also a really interesting highlight about this podcast the fact that it really isn't about tournaments and competitive pinball anymore. However, Jeff, let's bring it back into competitive pinball because there is an event we can talk about. It is the Stern Invitational. They did this before. Eight players playing for a brand new Stern machine. In this case, it looks like it's an Avengers game. So that's going to be happening this week, in fact. You can check it out on Twitch. It'll be on the Marvel channel, the Stern channel. Deadflip will be doing it. Emoto Harney's part of it. I think Tim Sexton as well. So I enjoyed the last time they did that with Turtles. And, you know, there's been some some buzz. I know we're in a bit of a group chat and people are saying, oh, I wish I lived in Chicago because the eight participants are in Chicago. Let me tell you how I feel about this. At the end of the day, Stern's giving away a pinball machine. That's pretty cool. And it's eight people. So, yeah, they're all from Chicago. Who cares? You know, it's it's eight different people than last time. It's not Stern employees. They're giving away a pinball machine. Don't shit on it. Hmm. Okay. You, you feel different? I I find it humorous, I think, is, is how I take it. But I also, I, I agree with you. I think, you know what? It's just a nice spectacle. I'm looking forward to the production. I believe that they probably would have learned a lot from last time how they produced this format. And, it, you know, it was very watchable. The other thing I, I say is it's going to obviously be held in Chicago. I don't know whether you know, but that's where Stern is located. I don't think they necessarily want to be promoting travel around the country because we are still in this pandemic. And I know, obviously, vaccines are going out, but still, they don't want to have people traveling all over the place. So, just keep it local. I get that. that that's the bit where I go, okay, I get it. You just don't, don't travel. Keep it local. Fine. If you remember the first Invitational, it was filmed at different locations. So, in New York State, it was filmed in Ohio Illinois and other places. So this is a little more centralized, probably easier to film. The event is this Friday. It's going to be cool that someone wins a pinball machine. It can't be all of us. It's only eight people. They're filming it. It's a little more controlled that it's all done 
in Illinois and likely Chicago. So it is what it is. Uh, I'm sure I'll be watching it at some point, whether live or after the fact. It's probably pre-recorded. That makes a lot of sense too, because of the pandemic. Ideally, you'd like these things live, but I'm guessing the fact that we watch these people in video on the teaser video, it's already been recorded. They just don't know who's won yet. That was the case of the last Invitational. They recorded like they were advancing to the finals, but you didn't know based on the times and the challenges. I like these challenge matches. I think they're fun to play in, though. Have you been in one? I have, kind of, in that I, I streamed Heads Up here. Actually, no, I tell you a lie. I did do a Heads Up challenge at Ryan's. I think we had Star Trek because he and I both had a Star Trek and a Wizard of Oz. So, we did the Heads Up challenge there. I have this strange feeling that I might have won it. And I'm I'm not trying to be, you know, a douchebag like I always am. I have this feeling I did. It's just so long ago. You sent me a note that said, hey, talk about Ryan, me beating him at Heads Up. What do you mean? You you told me to say that. What I don't know was I remember what I remember from that. There was a game on Wizard of Oz, and it was to start rescue multi ball, and they both got it at oh my god exactly the same time. And what was great was because we were streaming, we then just looked at the streaming footage and could watch the playback to see it was within a second. It was that, that close? They both started. It was that close. I love the format. I love the fact that you are playing, but you're constant. It's like you're playing two games. You're playing your game. You're watching the person next to you. So you're playing their game as well. It's just an adrenaline rush. I love the format and I love watching the streams of it. It will be interesting. I really enjoyed what Carl did with Pin Clash. And maybe the Invitational has learned a little bit from Pin Clash because let's be honest, sorry, that Pin Clash thing is the best video competition I've seen in a long time. I'm not saying that because I was the smallest part of it. I'm talking about the competition, the commentating, the production, the actual players, the schedule, how the tiers worked of the different challenges, all that. God, that was fun for what we saw in Jurassic Park. And a little birdies told me that we're going to be seeing another one of those pretty soon. So look for Pin Clash too. Sorry, Carl. I'm spilling the beans. <laughs> well, okay. It probably addresses one of the only, and it wasn't an issue because it was watchable, but when you had Pin Clash with everybody in all their different locations, there was different resolutions. There was different angles. There was different lighting from all the different people because you were streaming from their location. I guess with the, the stern invitation or being in the one location, I'm assuming it's going to all be in the one location. Don't know. So that I don't know. I, I've assumed that it is. Do you know? I have no idea. I haven't asked and uh, haven't been told, so I don't know. But Yeah, that's probably what they're trying to address is how can we improve the production quality of this even more? We shall see. Speaking of production quality, it brings us to our sponsor of the week. It was the interview that shocked Buckingham Palace. No one knew what to expect. And what came next was incredible. The Duke and Duchess of Sussex had much to say, and when Harry and Meghan dished all the dirt, the world was in awe. Gone now from the royal family, no more honorary military titles, but Harry and Meghan are not alone. Hear the tales of yet another couple who has also lost their title. This time, Oprah presents her one-on-one conversation with the Potato Heads. There is no subject that's off limits. Oh, really? And you are not getting paid for this interview. I 
American dream, can I? You'll be all ears and eyes and other removable body parts in this explosive interview. What am I supposed to do with all my identification? I'll need to get a new driver's license. I don't have time for all this. It's Oprah and the Potato Heads this Saturday night. And coming soon, Oprah speaks with the forgotten characters of the six banned Dr. Seuss books. What? Only on CBS. All kidding aside, Marty, if the next game from Jersey Jack Pinball is Toy Story, what are they going to call the character? Are they going to change it? Well, I guess they might. I'm asking a question. I'm not trying to be funny. I'm really. If the toy itself has changed its name to Potato Head, will they change it? Well, if you remember, the movies actually had a Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head in it. So, maybe. It it really depends on whether there's playfield inserts or uh, Mr. Potato Head mode. Otherwise, if it's just a character in it, you don't need to reference it, I guess. I don't know. I see the actor, Elliot Page. Do you know Elliot? Nope. Uh, Canadian. Originally started on the Trailer Park Boys. You can see Elliot on the Umbrella Academy. Oh, I know Elliot Page, uh, particularly because of um, the Umbrella Academy. And Juno was an amazing film as well. The character was a young teenage mom, and uh, it was just really funny with Michael Sarah. Love that movie. When I bring up Elliot is when I look at past credits, and we're talking about Potato Head now in Toy Story. Will they retcon that? When they talk about Elliot Page now, they have removed any old reference to Ellen Page, and even in older movies starring Elliot Page, Juno, which I think is great. Okay. If Toy Story comes out, I don't care what they call it. I'm looking forward to that game. That will be a great license. I have been waiting for this game for, I'm going to say, three years. That was when I was told that it was in production by somebody that you would say is a reputable source, and they mentioned that it was being developed by Pat Lawler. That was three years ago, so lots of things could have changed. I I look forward to it because I think, as a visual medium, I think you're you're already going to have great visuals in the the screen, but also the toys you could just have in the play field. It just lends itself to a pinball machine so well. I haven't given it much thought. Maybe you have. Maybe you don't want to say. And that's an answer as well. What themes are not your dream themes are possibly out there that you think would make great pinball machines? Taking your personal choices out of it. Thinking for the masses, too. What would sell on a mass level? What would some of these titles be? Uh, well, I think one of the ones that, that does come up is Pokemon, for some reason. Yeah. You know, I don't... For me, I'm not that fast, but it is a global brand, and it's a very popular brand, and it would probably break into new markets, I guess, a Pokemon. That's, that's one I would put out there. Unless Homepin makes it. Yes. What about you? That's funny you should say Pokemon because we were talking earlier about the trading cards. Those Pokemon cards are ridiculous. So Yeah, they are. There was a movie trailer that just came out. I know you're very familiar with it. You're a former gamer. I never was much into games. I played a lot of sport games like the EA Sports and things like that. I like video games, but we're talking old, old school like Pac-Man, Defender. I mean, when video games first kind of came out, Asteroids, things like that. The more buttons that came on it, as you can imagine, I wasn't very good, so... But I saw a movie trailer for Mortal Kombat, and I think just reading some of the comments about how people are losing their stuff, I think that would make a great pinball machine. 
I saw when Sonic the Hedgehog movie came out, how people lost their minds over that one. I know there's a homebrew for Sonic. It looks very good. Sonic is fast. That would be very, very good for a pinball machine. It's funny you should say that because as we started bringing up this topic, because it wasn't really in the show notes, I wrote in front of me Mortal Kombat. And that's when you started. And obviously, we mentioned it last episode when everyone was trying to work out what the jigsaw puzzle was. Turns out it's a jigsaw puzzle, but people were saying Mortal Kombat and again, people losing their shit. Would you do the movie or would you just base it on the video game? I don't know. The first movie was interesting. It didn't, I don't think it was, you would call it a successful film. Was it low budget? I don't think it was as big budget as we're expecting. So, if you're talking about fighting games, it was always, back in the day, it was Street Fighter versus Mortal Kombat. You were either a fan or, or the other, because they had slightly different mechanics. I was a Mortal Kombat fan. Loved, loved, loved Mortal Kombat. Ultimate Mortal Kombat 3 is just one of the best fighting games ever. So, when the movie came out, I was just all over that. Loved the movie, but one thing about the Mortal Kombat game, it's all about the ice throwing the ice that Sub-Zero does, or the electric shock that... Raiden, there you go, he does, or Scorpion with the the big hook, whatever it is. None of that was really in the movie till the very end. Sorry, guys, spoiler alert. Had a great, great soundtrack. This is what I also remember was, I know this is going to sound so bizarre. You can leave it in or cut it out, up to you. It was the first time I'd heard about Tracy Lords because she had a song in the soundtrack called Control, and it's a great album if you... Anyone ever wants to go back and, and have a listen to Tracy Lord's album. It's kind of techno. It's a little lowish budget, but it's great. So, that's that was my introduction to Tracy Lord's. I'm pretty sure it wasn't your introduction. Do you want to know my introduction to, not Tracy Lord's, but- Yeah, it was Mortal- Marty Melrose Place, for sure. <laughs> I know who she is. I uh, I have never seen anything she's ever done or heard anything she's ever done. So, I can say that in all sincerity. But my introduction to Mortal Kombat- I never played it. I I certainly knew about it. Probably my younger brother played it. My real introduction to Mortal Kombat was on this show final round when you did an image of you and I as two characters. It was for the Pinberg Challenge and we had 32 people and I got feedback from people. Lauren Gray (laughs) went nuts when she goes, oh, I'm on a final round graphic. It's awesome. So that was kind of, oh, I guess that's what that is. I knew nothing. Okay, well, and they were the two most popular characters. It was Sub-Zero and Scorpion were the characters that we that we did. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a huge franchise. But just going back to the, the movie, the first movie was good. It was okay. The second movie, I think it was Mortal Kombat Annihilation, maybe, was dreadful. In every aspect, it was dreadful. So, I think it, it absolutely destroyed the franchise as a, a movie. And now they're reintroducing it. And I've heard the... The big, the Mortal Kombat, like, techno track is also going to be featured, redone in the new one, and everybody's losing their shit over that. Just some iconic things from back then are coming back. So, could be good timing for them to release a Mortal Kombat pinball machine. However, let's talk about the Johnny Mnemonic effect, which is... Oh, okay. Bad movie? Well, George Gomez, he's talked about it. They did uh, design the pinball machine, and arguably it's, it's a great pinball machine. But then when the movie came out and it absolutely bombed, they were like, oh, shit, now we've got a machine that's a good player, but a bad theme, and it didn't do so well. Well, I'm sure there have been a few of those movies. Congo couldn't have exactly excited them either. Yeah, correct. So, that's what I'm saying. Like, with this, like, would somebody 
be developing a Mortal Kombat game right now only if they were saying what's well, the strength of the video game, not the movie, because the movie is just it's it's risk. They did Stranger Things after the success of the first season and some follow up in season two. So that game came out when season three was, I think, on Netflix. So they had to have something more than just the single movie. Yeah. I think you have to be safe. Unless one movie is just a monster, you would do it after the fact and maybe hope for a sequel. But I can't see simultaneously those days of, okay, we're going to release the album or we're going to release the movie the same time as the pinball machine. Just doesn't seem like it's, it's just too much of a risk when you look at how long it takes to make a pinball machine. There are licenses out there that are iconic. I think of Barbie dolls. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the thing that people keep talking about is that the video game market Fortnite. hasn't really been tapped into. Fortnite, Portal, oh, the Zelda is another one that yes. people talk. Give us a Zelda machine. Yeah, I, I absolutely get that. Do a better version of Mario Brothers. Yeah, well, absolutely. Although that kind of, yeah, I guess you probably could. I guess. I'm just so tainted by that <laughs> Mario Brothers. It's such a bad game. It is. As people talk about bands and when Led Zeppelin came out, oh, yeah, an old, another old 70s rock band, blah, blah, blah. I was looking at some of the top-selling artists of different decades, and I think there's a big risk factor if you do the hot new thing, especially if they're still producing content and new music. If they come out with a bomb, that would reflect poorly on the pinball machine and the sales of it and how often it's played. I think of when Justin Bieber was at the height and he could do no wrong. Well, he then found <laughs> drugs, tattoos, and other, other things and changed his baby face image to something different. And he became a man and got married. He's not the same as he once was. So if they came out with a Hannah Montana pinball machine and then she becomes Miley Cyrus, who, by the way, I fucking think she's amazing. I love her music. Sorry, I said it. Yep, this is the Zeppelin guy. Yeah, 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 no, no. She can sing her ass off. But that's a different image than Hannah Montana. So you have to be careful with current artists. I think that's why you're you're safe. When you come out with Zeppelin, when you come out with Iron Maiden for the most part, Metallica, most of their work is already done and certainly the best that they've done. It's tough to do new artists. I know, look, and Ryan and I had a big conversation about this on Head to Head and Somebody wrote in and, you know, had a go at us because we sort of said, well, it's all about risk and it really won't sell. And someone's saying, you know, that's terrible that I don't want a machine to be made. It's like, no, 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 hold on. I want that machine to be made. I'm just putting my head in the heads of the the numbers people in these these companies who are saying, well, we've really got to sell X amount of units. What's going to sell? They need guarantees the 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 smaller boutique ones they can take risks because they only need to sell you know a couple of hundred or you know 750 yes but the sterns the sterns aren't going to really take a risk that's that's just the way it is and and i know they do get a bit of criticism because their themes really aren't all that cutting edge arguably i'd say stranger things is in recent times and walking dead to an extent is a bit risky but they had released them at a point in time when the brand had been established, so it's less of a risk. Umbrella Academy. Umbrella Academy. Would you do an Umbrella Academy machine? No. No, I wouldn't. But I would do something that has maybe just completed in the last five, ten years. I would do a Breaking Bad pinball machine. Mm, okay. Yeah. If you had the assets of Seinfeld, that could be kind of cool. 
I know that's been over for a long time, but there's just, you know, the brand. Maybe. Who knows? Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, you know, when you ask, you know, what, what would you like them to do? It's like, well, I, I still have the commercial head in my head that says, well, I'd love that, but I just don't think they would do it. So, do I expend mental energy thinking about it or I just concentrate on other things? You have to be careful because if you come out with a machine, heaven forbid you someday appear on a most overrated list. That could be the absolute death nail in the coffin. You don't want that like these 64 games we're about to mention. (laughs) Are we going to mention 64? We have 64 games. We don't have to mention them all. Watch for our social media. We will need your votes. We do have 64 games. They came in from you, the listeners, on emails, social media, interviews. Marty and I may have added a few. What do you think of the list? Um, <laughs> there's, there's 64 games ranging from, this is a bit of a giveaway, but the, the number two ranked on Pinside down to the number 352 on the, the ranking as well. So, it's everything in between. But you you do find the vast majority of these games down to the 56th ranked game is in the top 100 at Pinside. So, I think that's fine. You know what? We just, what we hope from this is it sparks debate and conversation. And it's just a bit of fun as these brackets always are. It's certainly not content in lack of competitions. It is uh, absolutely <laughs> not that by any means. <laughs> yeah, we're certainly not dragging it out by making it a single <laughs> game bracket. No way. We didn't mention this back in December and it's now March. So, <laughs> honestly, <laughs> this is fresh. This is tight. Absolutely. So, yeah, it'll be interesting how how this goes. For me, when I looked at games that were overrated, and Todd talked about it, Stephen talked about it on the last episode, are we talking overrated or overpriced? And a lot of times for me, it was overpriced. Although when you look at the Pinside Top 100, you could make a case for overrated as far as that ranking. And that's kind of the guideline we were using when we did the bracket, as you'll see. Do you know that every Stern machine from 2010 on, 26 of them, not including things like Primus or Ronelli, but were like real pro models, every single one of those is in the top 100. In fact, the top 80. Do you know what the last two are as far as the lowest ranked Stern pinball machine in the last 10, 11 years? No looking. Oh, well, I've looked. So you tell me. (laughs) I kind of agree with them. I think around 77, Monsters, number 80 was The Beatles. Now, The Beatles for me, I think is a great game, but that's the category of me thinking it was overpriced. If that was the regular price, I don't think it would be ranked as low. Well, the, I can't remember who it was, but the person that wrote in about The Beatles didn't actually even refer to price. They talked about the gameplay saying it's just not as exciting as people say. It's not the deepest code. It's certainly more than Sea Witch. It flows better than Sea Witch. It sounds better. It looks better. Um, you know, Sea Witch actually is great art too. Let's not knock that. But the orbit is certainly something you can do. That upper orbit. I like the magnets, the spinners, the fact you can hit drop targets and there's a target behind the drop targets. There was a lot put in there. So I like that game. Monsters is certainly one of the most beautiful games to look at. I've said it before. It's one of my favorite art pieces ever. But the game is just not enough there for me. 
I wish there was a little bit more. And maybe someday, boy, if that ever happens, that becomes a real hot item. Yeah, correct. Because it is. I had one. I sold it. Loved how it shot. Really loved yes. the layout. Oh, I thought it was one of Borg's best layouts. Uh, arguably, people say it, it's kind of a bit derivative. And it's a fan layout with a bash toy, blah, 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 whatever. But you can't excuse the fact that it shot really well, except for the super jackpot shot, which was, you know, a bit tough. But it does which shoot well. Which should be. It's just, yeah, just lacking in code. And you're right. If that ever got just an absolute makeover, it would be a- Forced to be reckoned with, Jeff. Yeah, I think so. I think so, too. But when you see this list of top 64, keep in mind, please vote, but keep in mind, we did not include anything that is currently being produced. We did not want to hurt the sales of any current games. Once they come out of production, we will gladly shit all over them. Yeah. Yeah. And if they have been produced in the past and they're currently being rerun or vaulted, we're including them. So... Just, I'm not, I'm not sure whether there is anything on this list, but I'm just using that, just protecting ourselves just in case there is one. Yeah, I don't think there are, but anyway. So we talked about you working at the post office. That obviously was a lie, but you have been busy over the last couple of weeks. A little bit of house hunting. Well, funny you should say, because I was going to mention it before, this stern invitational that's happening, I'm not actually going to be able to watch it because that is the exact same time my auction is happening for my house. So- Your house is doing an auction? It is. It's auctioning itself. So, we are going to auction. It is this Saturday at that same time. So, think of me as you're watching that uh, event. I'm hoping to get some big dollars, man. Big dollars. Almost almost as much as I wanted for my Jurassic Park. That much? (laughs) Is the auction the norm- for Australia, I know I've been to your home. It's beautiful, and especially the location and all of the above. Maybe a little too much cat hair for my liking with Winston. Yeah. I'm just saying it. Yeah, it's fine. No, it's true. I have to. I have to clean up every day. Don't worry. It's cat hair freaking everywhere. At least you got rid of those god awful pinball machines, so people don't see those. Is this the norm, the auction, or is this just the best way to maximize your return? So I think the statistics are that the majority of properties do go to auction. And I was having this conversation yesterday. Really, if you feel that you've got a num, if there's enough demand on your house, then take it to auction because then people will bid against each other and, and bump it up. But I think it's easier to just have it for, for sale as a private sale. So, you know, you, you just leave it as long as you want until you get the price that you want. Uh, certainly in Australia, auctions are the norm. The majority of them do that. Okay. I've got more questions. Go. <laughs> I know the real estate agent gets a commission. Yes. The auction must get a commission too. Um, They're not doing it for free. Is it a flat fee? What do you mean the auctioner? Whatever the auctioning company is, they must get a, a piece of it's it. It's the same not- company. It's the same same company does the auction is the person that's selling the property. It's, it's not necessarily oh, okay. the same person. Sometimes you get somebody that is the agent is also the auctioneer as well. But in gotcha. our case- our agent won't be the auctioneer, but they're from the same company. It's not like there's an external company that runs the auction. They're not double dipping. No, 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 no. So, whatever commission they get pays for whatever. Now, is there a minimum bid that you won't accept anything under this? Yes. I doubt many people in Australia listen to this podcast. Although when I did come there, there was a lot of people in my tournament. I don't want to talk about it, but the point is- You just keep mentioning it though. I think we've got to just be really careful here. Let's clarify. You are not allowed to mention your tournament here at all. What are you talking about? 
Right. He said, I played an A tournament. Mm-hmm. Played an oh, A guys, tournament. That's it. Right into us. Is he no, breaking no. the rules here? I reckon No he rules. Is. I don't even know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what you're yeah, talking you'll about. You'll probably thought- edit that out now just so I look like a dick. Keep going. No, I'll keep anything that makes you look like a dick. Um, <laughs> so since a lot of people aren't probably listening to this podcast, and maybe the timing of it will have passed after the auction. Do you have some plants there that are going to bump up the price? Admit it. Some what? Plants. Some people know. Oh, like, I thought I thought you were talking about like pop plants. Uh, no, no. In the business, we call those as you know. Sometimes, if you do stand up comedy, there are plants in the crowd where yep. maybe they set you up for a good heckle or things like that. Yep. I've never used that, but I'm just saying there are there are those things. Yes, or, or magicians that always happen to have random people in the audience that get paid to be there. Yeah, I know what you. Yes, mean. yeah. That, those are plants. Yes. No, we are absolutely not. No, it, it's funny. It does go through my mind, but I would never. I would never do that. I would just feel really. Really uncomfortable if that happened. Well, the real estate company might. Well, they, they can go for it, but we will not be a part of it. <laughs> I love how I just assume everyone's doing something corrupt. <laughs> Especially in Australia. As soon as you mention Australia, you just oh, think we're all dishonest thieves. Most of us are, but not everyone. I was on a cruise once in Italy. We run around the whole country. And when we got to Naples, I was excited because that's where my grandfather, Salvatore Teolisi. My last name actually isn't Teolis, it's Teolisi. Oh, and you're just breaking that to me now. Wow. Okay. You knew I was Italian. No. You didn't? No. I barely recognize you as a species, but I think you might be Canadian. (laughs) I get the red hair from my grandma. My grandpa, Salvatore, was born in Naples or Napoli. And... When they came here, they screwed up his papers and Teolisi became Teolis. There, there you go. Now you know. Okay. But when we got to the stop of Naples, I was very excited. I was like, oh, this is great. This is where Grandpa was born. They kept telling you over and over again about, okay, we cannot enforce enough. Please watch your wallets, your back (laughs) pockets, your wristwatches. Like, I joke about Australia being a bunch of criminals. Hell no. My grandpa, my grandpa's hometown is like apparently the number one place in the world, which was really sad. So Australia, piece of cake. I only had a couple things stolen there. <laughs> yeah, and that was just when you stayed at my house. So <laughs> bad luck. So anyway, that's my story. Really, this last fortnight for me has been uh, trying to get our house ready for open for inspections, looking at houses, trying to find them that have got enough space for pinball machines. <laughs> so yeah, it's been fun. Have you thought about how many pinball machines you would like to acquire? I know you have, I guess, three in storage, correct? Three? I've got two in storage and one here. So I've got three at the moment. I would still be happy with just four, having two that are permanently in the collection being Star Trek and Wizard of Oz, and then one that's rotating, maybe two that's rotating. As far as gear for streaming on Melbourne Silverball, I know where you've done it. And because you have the mobile kit from Carl D'Angelo and Phil Grimaldi, will it be easier with a larger place? It seemed pretty- Yeah. You will, okay. It would be much easier with a much bigger space. Uh, Yeah, because where I am right now, I literally have, if you can imagine four pinball machines side by side, that is the size of the room. There is very little room either side. So then to do the streaming gear, yeah, I I would much rather have more space, but it's not a deal breaker. As long as I can fit three or four, I'm happy. Okay, can I ask you another thing too? Yes. This has nothing to do with pinball, but it does in a way because- where I live, it's called a backsplit. So I go around the side of the house downstairs to get to my basement, but it's ground level. And that's how I bring pinball machines into my home, through the ground level, around the side, and down the stairs. 
with you, are you looking for something? Cause you, you're in a three-story home right now. That's are you looking for something single level, double level? And the reason I ask, and I'm not trying to be funny, is Marty, you and I are getting older. Yeah. And here I am in the basement right now recording. I have to go up a couple of flights of stairs to go to bed. And I'm okay with it now. At some point, I'm going to be like, these stairs suck. Yeah, you know what? It's funny you should say that because whenever we do look at a property and we look at the floor plan, the first thing we look at is, you know, what's what's the living space going to be like? Where's the master bedroom located? And where are the pinball machines going to be located? And how are we going to get the pinball machines in and out? It is funny and funny you should say that because there are some amazing properties that we've looked at in our budget, in a location, but getting the pinball machines in and out is going to be too hard. So, we don't look at them. Wow. So, that's how important they are. I have my pinball machines in our basement. Our bedrooms are a couple flights up. So, do you want that kind of separation too? Because I can play pinball machines while Anne's sleeping. Yep, absolutely. So, if we're going for a single level, then the pinball room needs to be away from the living and away from the bedrooms. So, it's just a filter. It's very hard to find a property that we want because we've just got this requirement. So, got more questions about my personal life? Please, bring them up. (laughs) Write in to finalroundpinball at gmail.com, please. I'm an open book. What's the one thing you've never had in a home that you would like in this new home? A spa. Ooh, good question. A spa? Or a hot hot tub. I would love a hot tub. I've been to Melbourne. When would you use it? It's always hot there. Oh, no. Melbourne gets really cold during winter, but I would also still use it during summer. So, either a hot tub or a pool. I've not had a pool since I was a child. Uh. And yeah, I, I, you asked the question, what would I want that I've not had? It would be a hot tub. I'd love one. Uh, <laughs> I'd like to move to a home without a pool. Have you got a pool? Okay, listen, I'm not trying to sound like a dick at all. In 2020, it was fucking great having a pool because we had nowhere to go. This was good. The year before, I'm guessing maybe, maybe I was in it three times. The kids are getting older. They don't want to go in it. In Canada, it's freaking cold. So even with it being heated, you're not getting in till maybe June 1st and no one goes in after September 1st. Whoopty fucking do. Three months? Yeah. Sorry. Doesn't do it for me. Yeah. No. Fair enough. And maintenance throughout the year when you're not using it. Understood. Oh, ask Ryan C about his pool. <laughs> I don't want to know what's in his pool. Uh, yeah, well, that's that. Yeah, I won't be asking that as well. But that. but when I went over to his place, it was just this green yes. algae filled, th- and it was his first time having a pool, and that's no fun when you have algae and stuff. So I don't know how to compare that into pinball. I guess it's like if you have batteries in your back box and you've never changed them, and you take them off, and you're like, oh, that acid spill. Oh, you see, you see a pinball machine on location that they haven't cleaned, and it's just got all that dark grime all over it. Yeah, that's my parallel. Do you use dark rubbers or white rubbers? Somebody said to me there's a difference in the way they bounce. And I'm, I know there's difference in things like super bands. I get that. I'm talking about sling rubbers, white and black having difference. The only difference I know is if you have black rubbers, you get some of that grime you were talking about. I think I have a few machines with white, but the white rubbers get dirty, as you can imagine, yeah. too. So I don't know if you can ever win. Uh, my only real experience with that is I changed my Data East Jurassic Park from black rubbers to white rubbers. And the black rubbers weren't that old, so you could say it was a fair comparison. And it did feel different. I felt the black rubbers were bouncier than the white ones. A bit more elasticity. Okay. I don't know. 
Write in, find around pinball at gmail.com. We're genuinely interested, and it could be content. <laughs> Not that we're looking for any. Not that we're looking for anything. It is a slow month. Who's kidding who? It's about to get interesting. We have got a terrific guest. In fact, we have a couple of guests for our next show. We're so excited about our next show, we might, believe it or not, release it early. Earlier than any other episode we've ever released. So You mean earlier than the last two episodes that have been released late? Is that what you mean? So maybe on time. Is that what you said? Earlier than our normal schedule of every other Wednesday. We're sorry this week was late, but- um, That's my fault. Bullshit. It's not your fault. We both have got things. Life sometimes gets in the way, and you've been busy, and I've been busy. I've actually been away from home for quite some time, so finding time to... I can't really broadcast or podcast away from home with any kind of good quality, especially since Marty and I are talking on the internet. I talk late at night, he talks in the afternoon, so that we can match up for time. So these things are uh, really the reasons for any kind of delays. And let's not fool anybody. I mean, the editing, the polish we put on these things, we're just not going to put out anything willy-nilly. These need to be tip-top. <laughs> uh, no, I know, I know, I know. I couldn't give a straight face when you said that either. Like, what a load of shit. We fucking just put out any old crap. You know, I was thinking about it. When competitions come back, that will be content for us. But we've developed into a different kind of show. I'm sure we'll mention competitions. This isn't a competition podcast. Sorry, Zach, if that's what you signed us up for. Yeah. It's just two assholes talking back and forth and bringing on guests and, you know, taking jabs at them. Yeah, that's the show. That's pretty much the format it's become, and we're happy with it. God bless it. All right. On to bigger and better things. We will talk to you in a fortnight. My name is Jeff Teolis. My name is Martin Robbins. Really appreciate you listening, and we'll do it again. Make sure you vote on the most overrated games on our social media, and we'll give you some results next episode. Have a good one. See you later.